Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established Wickedly Smart Women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create conscious change all around the world. Now here's your Wickedly Smart host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate wickedly smart women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom, along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome our very special guest, Rebecca Freeling. Rebecca is a child behavior expert specializing in children with impulsivity, emotional volatility, difficulty, quote, listening, close quote, ADHD, aggression, and bullying, and other behavior that's really, really challenging for parents, teachers, and other kids. Rebecca is also the author of Your Rules Are Dumb, How to Maintain Your Parental Authority While Creating a Partnership with Your Spirited Child, along with her coaching programs, which help parents resolve kids' problem behavior quickly and in a way that empowers everyone in the family, she has also developed The Agreement Game, a practical step-by-step process for teaching cooperation and collaboration to strong-willed, spirited kids. And I had the pleasure of meeting Rebecca at the National Publicity Summit, and as soon as I heard what she she did. And especially as soon as I saw her and her beautiful stuffed cheetah that she has with her wherever she goes, I said, oh, I have to bring Rebecca onto the show to serve the wickedly smart women around the world, uh, many of whom may have spirited, strong-willed kids because they're probably spirited and strong-willed themselves. So thank you so much for coming, Rebecca. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I am too. Thank you so much for having me, Angel. Well, tell us, Rebecca, what inspired you to become a child behavior expert specializing in these children? Well, I think one of the origin points was when I was in fifth grade and had a teacher who I felt finally understood me. I wasn't that hard to understand, I don't think but I was extremely creative and uh, I was a little bit of a smart aleck, you know, and uh, I noticed that, you know, she really responded differently to everybody in the class. I think that was one of the seeds. And then many years later, I started my own preschool and the training that I got was awesome, but it did not prepare me for some of these super strong-willed kids that showed up, uh, some of whom had been kicked out of two or three other preschools by the time they were three and a half because they were, uh, quote, violent. And I couldn't understand why kids were getting kicked out of preschool for not being able to manage their emotions, not being able to establish relationships with other kids. Like, that's what preschool's for. Mm. But 
there aren't that many teachers who really know how to manage that kind of energy in a classroom where there's, you know, 19 other kids. So that's where I really started wrestling with myself, wrestling with philosophical ideals of my teacher training, sometimes literally wrestling with these kids to figure out how are we going to do this? I just, I just refuse to give up on them. And that's how I've developed the strategies and the philosophies that I've developed over time. Yeah, beautiful. Well, I want to share a personal story because my kiddo had a lot of challenges. We had a lot of challenges for a number of reasons, uh, not the least of which he was sexually assaulted in daycare. So, you know, sometimes these children behave in certain ways and there's, I'm sure, underlying situations that a teacher isn't seeing the underlying Mm -hmm. situation. So I'm curious about, you know, as you moved through your own growing expertise and your own growing exploration of these children who are sometimes, you know, labeled or identified in certain ways, what are some of the things that you discovered along the way? Some of the things that I discovered were I could make an impact even if there were extenuating circumstances, even if, and I did have some kids who had traumatic experiences who were currently living in traumatic circumstances that I couldn't alter. But when I had them with me, I recognized, okay, here's my time. Here's my place where I can communicate to them. You're awesome you're great, you deserve goodness, you deserve good relationships, you know, and that's what I could do with kids who are having this trauma. There are also kids who don't experience trauma, but who have a particular temperament, you know, where they want control. You know, here's here's what I learned about them. They really value their own opinion very highly. They value autonomy. And they value autonomy and control higher than they value a warm connection. That sometimes is what gets parents to say things like, oh my gosh, my kid's going to grow up to be a psychopath. It's usually not true, (laughs) but it looks different than we expect human beings to look. It's not that they don't value connection. They just value autonomy a little bit more. Mm. Well, I can definitely hear that. It's interesting because our educational system was structured to create conformity, Mm -hmm. right? And so we are also evolving, like as a species, we're evolving. And as a culture, we're evolving where conformity actually is just not even in service anymore because we've moved beyond the industrial economy. So can you speak a little bit about, you know, how you see the education system maybe contributing to aggravating some of these behaviors as well? Oh, yeah. (laughs) How many hours is this show? Uh, you know, it's um, it, it's a huge, huge problem, and a lot of these kids end up getting diagnosed with something, or end up getting a, an IEP, where 
if we just really taught to their learning style, we wouldn't have the issue. They wouldn't be seen as having a, a mental illness. And boy, the pandemic has really shown a light on this. And I have a eight-year-old that I'm working with who got so fed up with the online learning and how the education was being delivered, he just refused. He refused to do it. He wrecked a couple of computers. He tore a screen, a hole in the screen of his bedroom and threw a chair through it. He's just like, and he was just saying, this isn't learning. This is stupid. I could teach myself better than this, you know? And, and so he's right. He's, he's probably right. He's absolutely right. So his dad called me like, how do I make him go back to school? I'm like, no, the question is, how do we listen to him? Mm. He's telling us the truth. And, and it's a difficult truth for us to hear because it's technically difficult for us to manage homeschooling a kid that you didn't want to homeschool. That you're not set up for this. You're not a teacher. You didn't say, I know, I want to homeschool my kids. Here's a kid who's saying, no, I want to teach myself. And they're so strident about it that really the only way through is to say, okay, well, you come into our meeting then and we're going to design something that has the learning style you need, but also it has the accountability system you need. So it's not like, okay, now the eight-year-olds are running the show, mm. right? But we really need to be listening to them and watching how they learn, giving them a space to do that, but also giving them the boundaries that help them feel secure and help them feel safe and teach them how they can be who they are. Mm. And not run traffic lights and, you know. Become a sociopath. <laughs> right. 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 You, you can do that. And the schools are, I think the schools are very afraid of that independence. They're very afraid of that individuality. Well, it's baked into the system. It's baked yeah. into the system. It's, it's a systemic thing. So, you know, it's interesting because when my kiddo finally, you know, ended up in the education system by third grade, they wanted to diagnose him. And I was like, no. You're not going to diagnose him. I refuse to have him diagnosed. I refuse to have him drugged. I flat out refused. And we did end up after much, much, much advocation on my part, we got the IEP, mm -hmm. but then it wasn't implemented. And I didn't find out that it wasn't implemented until months later. So do you ever come up against that problem? And yes. do you help parents with you know, is it just with the kids that you're helping the parents or are you also helping parents? Like, like, it sounds to me like a lot of the work requires like re-educating the parents around how to parent, mm -hmm. but then there's so many, uh, there's all these other factors and variables. So could you speak a little bit about, you know, intersecting with the education system, you know, understanding that we're also in a time now where literally the pandemic is making everything you know, it's just shining the light on everything. So right. it's probably right. a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, there better be some good come out of this because right now it sucks. <laughs> yeah. So I do work with schools and I, I do teacher training and I do sometimes go to IEP meetings. Sometimes an IEP meeting is not a strategy session. It's a defense mechanism for the school. Mm. You know, because the parents are like, come to the IEP, come to the IEP. And I'm like, well, let me talk to the school first to just kind of suss out, are we trying to solve a problem or are we trying to prevent a lawsuit? And I know that's kind of a harsh way <laughs> to talk about it, 
but we really need to know what intention everybody's coming to that with. And if it's not really designed to be a strategy, really interested in the kids session, then I tell parents, no, spend your money with me <laughs> doing one-on-one and doing, you know, okay, here's what's happening at school. How can we support the kid at home? You know, is it time? Sometimes I talk parents through, is it time to move to another school? Mm. Is it time to think about homeschooling? Most of the, the people who work in schools do have really excellent intentions. Sure. They're underfunded. They're undertrained. The, the classrooms are too big. There's not enough outside time. The curriculum is not appropriate. Like The entire thing so is dysfunctional. The in, let's just say the entire thing is dysfunctional because <laughs> in my IEP situation, I can tell you from my perspective, what happened was they needed to have a certain number of kids identified so that they could access the federal funds. But once oh. they were identified, they, they weren't going to spend the funds on... Yeah. Implementing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so there's that piece that's also part of the puzzle is the the federal government's piece of this. All right. Well, we're already uh, amazingly, it goes very quickly. We're already at the break. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to tell people where to find out more about you, Rebecca. And we're going to talk a little bit more about exactly specifically and precisely how you help parents who have these spirited kids and maybe give a few immediately actionable steps for some of our listeners to take. But right now, Wickedly Smart Women, we could use your help. If you are enjoying this show and want us to stay on the air, please consider making a donation at www.wickedlysmartwomen.com. There's a little magic button right there on the site that you can feel free to make a contribution. Uh, We'd also like to ask you to share with your lovely lady friends who you think might benefit from our content. Help a gal out and let your sisters, mothers, daughters, friends, and colleagues know about the show so that we can serve them too. I want to say a huge thank you to all of our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing. We are welcoming thousands of downloads from all over the world. And uh, we are now at 69 countries who are downloading, and we are going to shout out this week to our listeners in Japan, Tajikistan, and let's pick Senegal. And we will be right back with Rebecca Freeling. The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Wealthy Life Mentor. Women, are you on the edge knowing that life is calling you to make a change? Are you ready to be part of the evolution of what it means to be a wickedly smart woman creating your wealthy life by design, a life that is an extraordinary work of art? Angel B. Hartwell, the Wealthy Life Mentor, is hired by women in transition, women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance become clear on the value of their wisdom, and embody a beauty-filled, balanced life of shameless self-expression. Discover your Wealthy Life readiness by taking the quiz at quiz.wealthylifementor.com. And we are back with Rebecca Freeling. You can find out more about her and how she helps parents of spirited children at witsendparenting.com. 
That's W-I-T-S-E-N-D parenting.com. We will have that for you in the show notes. And uh, let us know, what are they going to find when they get there, Rebecca, when they get to witsendparenting.com? So you'll find some blog articles that you can peruse. You'll find a description of the coaching programs that they can kind of choose from and just get a feel for, okay, here's how I think about things. There are a couple of videos there where I talk about uh, my philosophy and uh, a link to my book and my contact page where you can request a phone call with me to just sort of get oriented and, and seeing that that initial phone call is free. And so just find the contact link and, and we can chat a little bit. Fantastic. All right. So before we went to the break, you were mentioning the importance of understanding a kid's learning style and that oftentimes an IEP is written up and kids are diagnosed and drugged when all that's really required is some clarity about their learning style. So can you talk a little bit about learning styles and you know, what particular, do you notice whether there's a particular learning style that is more um, likely to be found in spirited kids, strong-willed spirited kids? They need a lot of movement. Mm. They need things to be relevant. And once they find that things are relevant, they're very, very interested in them. Often these kids can get obsessed with something. And there's a tendency in adults to think that that's not a good thing. You know, I had a five-year-old who was obsessed with money and his parents were like, Oh, that's not good. That's not good. You know, but once we turned everything that he was supposed to be doing into a conversation about money, <laughs> he suddenly became interested. He suddenly realized, Oh, the world is interesting because we, <laughs> we can tie it all to money, right? Which we can. And so it's really they need to have things really connect with them. And to be able to, to do that, you know, you can ask questions. Also, when somebody's totally obsessed with something, I was just talking to a family today whose 10-year-old girl is obsessed with menstruation. And the parents were like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. You know, she's doing all this stuff. She wants to watch her mom put in a tampon. And, you know, and her mom's like, I'm not really comfortable with that. I don't know what to do. And so, but, you know, if we can just open that up and say, okay, I don't know why she's so obsessed with that. Who knows? Maybe she's the person who's going to solve the low birth weight problem. Maybe she's the person who's, you know, going to become a great surgeon who can help people who, we don't know somehow that obsession is expressing who she is. So how do we say yes to what the kids are bringing? If that's your knee jerk, a kid does something and you go, yes. How can I say yes to that? That's one of the first questions because it, it then opens you up to, well, what's good about this particular thing? And then you can really discover, oh yeah, this is how my child learns kids generally know how they learn. They're not always so respectful about communicating their learning style to us. It's stupid how she just talks and talks and talks and talks and talks and talks and talks all day. Okay, thank you for telling us that lecture is not your style. Yeah, that's, that's pretty clear. <laughs> lecture is not your style if the kid comes home and is complaining about it. Right. All right. 
So I want to just drop a couple things in here. So my kiddo movement was huge for him. And so when he mm-hmm. would come home, I would put him on the bounce, one of those little like rebounders. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, go get your yayas out. Like I would, you know, or send him outside to bounce around to get his yayas out. Yeah. Um, the obsession thing was him as well. The whole obsession thing was very interesting. What I discovered when he was probably in middle school where it started, the school system started to like make you have to learn a certain thing in a certain time frame, mm-hmm. right? That's where things started to go even more sideways. And specifically what I discovered for him with him was like he would go into math and if the concepts were supposed to be known and tested within a two week period of time, mm-hmm. he, he wasn't done learning. Right. He wasn't done learning Right. And and he could get literally to the very bottom of the concept. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until he had gotten all the way to the bottom of the concept, was he actually able to get it back up out again to deliver it. And by then it was six weeks down the road, not in the time frame that the school was looking for him to be able to demonstrate that concept. But by the time he got it, he could teach it better than the teacher. Yeah. So that obsession thing, I went through that myself. Uh-huh. And and thankfully, you know, I had the awareness that I could see what was going on and I could do my best to advocate. But what I'd love to hear from you is, do you have some things that parents can do, especially like at that point, I was self, you know, going into self-employment. So on top of like building out my own business, I was also fighting with the IEP people and the legislative people and the doctor people oh, and, the, oh. and then trying to have the kid like feel he was at least successful and honored and loved and all the things. So yeah. I'd love in the last five minutes that we have here, Rebecca, for you to just drop some you know gems for the parents about how they can actually yeah, de-stress themselves and have some strategies to work with. I mean, I heard one of them is ask questions and observe like what Mm -hmm. you're hearing from the kids, Mm -hmm. right? So that's one thing. So what else? So a big piece of it is non-resistance. And non-resistance isn't the same as permission. So, I mean, just like super simply in daily life, I don't want to brush my teeth. I'm not going to brush my teeth. I'm not going to brush my teeth. Okay, I'm going to be on your bed from 8 o'clock to 8.20 reading books. I hope you're with me. I'm leaving your room at 8.20. So I'm not arguing about brushing teeth. I'm not telling you why you have to. I'm not going to tell you about the cavities for the 6,000th time. I'm going to let you do what you need to do about the teeth. I'm going to be here from 8 to 8.20 reading books. If you're with me, you're with me. That's a, And, and that non-resistance goes for you know, a wide range of things. These obsessions to, I'm not brushing my teeth. Another thing that's really super important to do with a strong-willed kid is collaborate. And this is what I work with a lot of parents on because a kid will make a plan with you, but then they won't follow through. And, And so it's about how do you get the kid to make the plan and have your backup for the follow through. And Embrace your child's dark side. Embrace some of those things that seem really weird. You know, oh, he just likes to look at blood. Okay, let's look at blood. Oh, he just he just wants to talk about money all the time. 
let's talk about money. Oh, he just, he's just mean all the time. Okay, let's just get some of that energy out. Let's just let it be and let it give it space to live so that the child can really feel like they're a whole human being who's loved as the whole human being by their parents. Can you see ladies why I wanted Rebecca on this show? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So what I heard is uh, ask questions, observe, non-resistance, collaborate, but have a backup for follow through and accept the quirkiness of your kid. They're not a Mm -hmm. cookie cutter. They aren't, you know, going to come out of you uh, exactly the way you think they are. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. We don't control that. (laughs) Yeah. So one final question, we got another minute before we have to close. And that is, I definitely had my own like unhealed childhood wounds from not being accepted for who I was and also from my own personal trauma. So is there anything for parents who they themselves are getting triggered by the behavior of the kids? One of the big ahas that I had while I was teaching was and I had a I had an abusive mom. Every time I responded with respect to a child who was doing something, some misbehavior, my inner child breathed a little sigh of relief. Every time I say yes to some of this behavior and figure out a way to truly connect with that child and let them bloom a little bit, my inner child who was so hurt and damaged and disrespected gets a little happier. And it's really quite a direct correlation. You don't have to totally go through years of therapy and then be an accepting parent. In the process of accepting your child and really nurturing even the difficult parts of your child, you yourself get nurtured and and healed. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I really wish that you had been on my radar screen, you know, 20 years ago. <laughs> he's 25 now and things are much better. Oh, that's um, good to hear. You know, he's he's doing exponentially better than he was through a long period of our time together and he certainly grew me as a human being and mm-hmm. as a did a lot so much healing, you know, internal healing as a result of becoming this child's mother. So I'm infinitely grateful that we made that soul date and there was a lot of hell during the time that he was being raised. So Mm -hmm. I am so grateful for you, Rebecca, and for all that you're here to do and to be and to serve into the world. And I really hope that listeners tune in, especially the parent listeners, the moms out there, tune in to this and maybe keep it on repeat for a little while. Like really let yourself sink into the conversation that Rebecca and I had, because I have a sense that she and I could actually go for hours, <laughs> but, we, but we are at the end already. And so thank you listeners. Uh, we do love feedback and thank you, Rebecca, for bringing your brilliance and your gifts to the show today. We do want to know what you thought of today's show. Please feel free to call into our listener line. We'll have that in the show notes for you. Definitely get in touch with Rebecca at witsendparenting.com. Or if you're listening and you're a grandparent or a sister or a cousin or a coworker of somebody that you think could use Rebecca's help, 
please turn them on to her and her work. And definitely send in questions or guest suggestions to our listeners at wickedlysmartwomen.com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your ears open. And remember, you are a wonderful cheetah woman. She's got her cheetah there. I had to do that. You are a wonderful woman. All right, beautiful. Have a fantastic day. And we are signing off. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to rate and review Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each new episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.